Good to see you. Thanks for being here, as we said a little bit earlier. Man, if it's your first time here, thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, make sure you stop by our connection table outside as you leave. Uh, they would love to answer any questions you may have about the church and, again, give you some swag. Uh, I'd love to meet you, too, so at the end of our service, I'll be outside. Come find me. Come say hello. Tell me a little bit about yourself. We would love to meet you today. Hey, we are in the Christmas season. I don't know if you know that or not, but we are in the midst of it. And uh, so I've got a couple of Christmas announcements this morning. First, in your seats, as you sat down today, you saw those little Christmas cards. They are invites for you to invite people to come to our Christmas Eve services. Those are at 2.30, 3.45, and 5 p.m. on December 24th. Here in this room, family-friendly, no kids' classes going on that evening. Everybody's going to be in here. And so we invite you to come back, bring your family with you, bring your friends with you, bring your enemies with you, whatever it may be. Invite them to come and hang out with us Christmas Eve. It's going to be a lot of fun. One other thing I need to tell you about this. If you look on that card, I believe on December 29th, we will not be worshiping here, okay? In fact, we're not going to be worshiping anywhere. We're taking a little Sabbath Sunday for us here at The Journey. Uh, we're going to be putting together a video about 25, 30 minutes long. We're going to share that day that you can use throughout the day with you and your family or get some family friends together and, and watch that and worship together in that way. We're taking a little break, um, and the part of the reason is we've got some things we're working towards as we head into the new year. Another reason, just kind of giving everybody a chance to breathe. We've got a big season coming ahead for us here at The Journey as we head into three services starting on January the 19th in 2020. And so as that's coming up, we've we got to get some things set up, but we're taking a little break then. But that leads me into this next thing here, our, our end-of-year giving or December offering. This past week, if you've got our weekly email, you saw the note I put on there. Um, in, in the past, we've done a Christmas offering, we've done an end-of-year offering, and people have given to that. This year, we're just going to do something different, like, hey, just give. So just give in December. And our plan is everything above our budget number, which is about $72,000 a month, $72,000 and above, we're going to give that back. We're going to use that for four different projects. Uh, if you saw that email, the first project is the first $10,000 over that amount that, that gets budgeted out. We are going to give it to our Living Water uh, team to go and dig their next well, well for next year. Yep. So the first $10,000 is going to just go strictly to that next well in 2020. The next $10,000 is going to go to our Generosity of Feeds event that we do after Easter. So we're going to do 20,000 meals as our plan this year. The last couple of years we've done 15,000. Here's the problem. We got so many people that are coming, which is amazing. So we kind of got to split it up. We're going to do like two different groups. We've got a whole plan in place. But we're planning on 20,000 meals this year. If you've never done this before, all these meals actually go back into our community right here to under-resourced kids and families. And so it's a great thing that we get to do. Our next $10,000 is going to go to seed that for this coming year. The next $10,000 is going to go to our Windshape Camp for our elementary age kids. Uh, we did this last year. Yeah, you feel free to clap. It's totally fine. Uh, we did this last year. Had over 200 kids that were a part of that. And we want to go ahead and seed that. We do this in conjunction and partnership with Chick-fil-A. And so we're looking forward to that. That's happening at the end of June, I believe. And then the money that we bring in over top that $30,000, if we do that, uh, <laughs> this building needs a little love, okay? Um, there was a remodel about five years ago, and people came, and then people kept coming, and you guys keep coming every single Sunday. We have over 700 people who show up on a Sunday morning with kids and everything, and during the week, this building is used every single day. And so we need a little love. If these lights were all the way up and you looked at this carpet in here, you'd understand what I'm talking about. 
So uh, we're actually going to replace carpet through the whole building, and uh, we're going to paint everything inside too. Uh, and so we're trying to spruce this up as we head into the next year, because you're going to be inviting family and friends to come hang out with you, and we want this place to look like, hey, we, we were expecting you to come. Uh, and so we're putting that together and working on that, so that anything over and above that extra money will actually go to offset some of our costs there. So we're just inviting you to give. You can do that through our website. You can do that on Sunday mornings. Uh, you can do that through your app, and um, you can just write a check and send it in the mail, too. There's, there's, there's post office people who actually do that still, right? <laughs> Uh, my brother's one, so keep him in business, so uh, that would be great. Hey, let me pray, and then uh, we'll get started today. Lots of stuff going on. God, um, man, it's amazing what you were doing in this church, and God, it's not, it's not really about even what happens here on Sundays. It's about when we leave this place and the ability and influence you give us to make a difference in this world. And so, God, we just continue to lift and thank you for the blessings that you have given us. We pray that we use them wisely. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. And God, I pray as we go through the next few moments together, uh, as we focus on our topic, that um, your, your presence will be felt. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, it's Christmas season, kind of a joyous time. So uh, here's a quick little intro into our movie for today, Elf. Take a look at this. Man, that chewing gum thing just still kills me. But anyway, um, <laughs> hey, isn't that what Christmas is supposed to be about? happiness and joy and fun and and so this time of year we're doing a different series than this kind of probably normal at many churches you probably have been to before Christmas at the movies and so what we're doing we're taking a look at Christmas movies and we're saying hey there's this sort of this connection between these Christmas movies and the Christmas story the birth of Jesus and not only with that but also with us and so over the past few weeks we've looked at different movies we looked at a Christmas story and we talked about hope Last week we looked at Christmas Vacation and we talked about finding peace and the, the stress of the mess and the miracle that's there. And today we're going to talk about the movie Elf. Uh, again, one of my favorite Christmas movies. It's, it's just, it's weird, okay, but it's kind of funny and there's, a, there's kind of a heartwarming theme behind it. But it's the story of this, this guy whose name is, is Buddy. Now you're probably thinking if you've never seen this movie before, like why is he wearing an elf costume? So here we go. Here's the introduction to, to how Buddy became Elf. Take a look. So Buddy shows up in Santa's bag at Christmas time at the end of Santa's work and ends up being adopted by one of the elves there within that, that family. And so the whole story is, is really about this relationship that's there, and it goes a little bit beyond that. But, but again, what does Buddy's life and this movie have to do with the Christmas story and with us? Um, this Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, is, is probably a little bit different than we really think about sometimes. When we think about the Christmas story, we know about the birth of Jesus, right? We, we know about Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, the angels, the manger. All of these things are pretty familiar to us, but there's, a, there's actually a bigger piece to this whole story that, that maybe we've never thought about before. Here's the connection for us, right? It's about adoption. The story of the birth of Jesus is actually all about adoption. Now, we're familiar with adoption. Uh, some of you in this room, you were adopted. Uh, some of you in this room, you have adopted kids. Uh, probably every one of us in this room knows someone who's adopted. Uh, I have family members that were adopted. Uh, maybe you're one of those mean siblings when you were a kid and you told your biological siblings they were adopted, right? <laughs> some of you did that. But we understand adoption. We're familiar with it. And in fact, in the United States, 135,000 kids are adopted every single year. 
And, and when I think about adoption, I mean, to me, that just blows my mind to, to know there's so many parents. And some of you are in this room today. Man, you, you just love these kids, and they're not even biologically yours. You have this incredible, intense love for them, and, and you probably know a little bit about their situation and what they came out of. Parents who said, hey, we just don't want these kids. Or, or maybe parents passed away, or there's financial burdens, or addiction, or abuse. But you've come in and said, hey, I, I don't care about that past. I don't care what that looks like. Man, we, we want to love you. And you bring them into your home, and you adopt these wonderful and incredible children with this unconditional love. And so as we think about the, the adoption process, as we think about adoption this morning, I want to bring it into this Christmas story. And, and we're going to read a couple of passages of Scripture this morning out of, um, out of a couple of books in the New Testament that we always read at Christmas time, Galatians and Ephesians, okay? So we're going to be in Galatians and Ephesians this morning. Some of you are like, really, we read that? No, we don't, okay? You don't ever read out of that. Um, because it really talks about this, this theme that we have today about adoption. So we're going to be in Galatians chapter 4 first. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. Of course, we always put it up on the screen. You can follow along there. If you've got your Journey Church app, you can open it up, grab your program. On your program today, there should be four my blank statements. We're going to fill those in today. But in Galatians chapter 4, verse 3, here's what it says. And that's the way it was, that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. You know, last week as we began this, we, um, or as we talked through uh, Christmas vacation, we, we went back and talked about Adam and Eve. And we said Adam and Eve, it was like Christmas time every single day for them. Like they experienced this incredible, um, amazing joy, maybe kind of like Buddy the Elf, every single day. That was their life. But at some point in time, they decided to eat from that tree. And when they did, they actually became orphans. Now, I'm going to use that term orphans a couple of times today. I know for us, we think uh, orphans are people, who, kids that have lost their, their parents. They've, they've passed away legally. It means children without parents. So we're going to use the legal definition today of orphans. But they became orphans, not because God's like, hey, I don't want to see you ever again. I don't want to do anything with you again. It's because they chose to be orphans. They said, we want to separate ourselves from God. And that's exactly what they did there in the garden. They ate from that tree, and they became orphans. They separated themselves, but, but they didn't go unnoticed by God. Again, God didn't say, hey, I don't want to think about you again. What we find in Genesis, around Genesis chapter 15, we find that God goes to this guy named Abraham, and he makes these promises. And one of the promises, he says, you're going to be a blessing to all people. And, and so that was the pointing to the Messiah. And again, God didn't forget that promise that he made to Abraham generations later here's what takes place look at verse 4 in Galatians 4 it says but when the right time came God sent his son born of a woman last week we talked about um, Mary and Joseph right and, and we talked about what it was like for them that the stress that they would have been under to, to have the, the Messiah born into their family again they're young she's a teenager probably mid-teens Joseph may be a, been a little bit older uh, in his late teens, maybe early 20s. Uh, but but then now they've got this kid that's just kind of been thrust on them, and, and they're not rich, they're, they're poor, and they're trying to figure this all out, and there's all kinds of stress that's there. But, but I want to go back to Joseph for a moment, because what did God do? God entrusted this man-child, right, Joseph. He entrusted Joseph to be the caretaker for the God-man, Jesus. 
He's like, here's the deal, Joseph. I believe in you. You're going to protect Jesus. You're going to provide for Jesus. This is who you're going to be. And so if we think about the story of Mary and Joseph, what Joseph actually does is he adopts Jesus into his family. He's like, I'll take that on. Yeah, I don't quite understand it. Yeah, there's some questions here, but, but I'll take that on. And so Joseph adopts Jesus into his family. But the birth of Jesus isn't just about that adoption. It's about the adoption that you and I have too. That at the moment Jesus was born, you and I were adopted into God's family also. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Paul talks about this in Galatians 4, 5. He says, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt, emphasis mind there, us on his, as his very own children. No longer a slave, but God's own child. Now, it's interesting because uh, Paul writes that here in Galatians, but he also writes something very similar in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. It says, God decided in advance to adopt, again, emphasis there, mind, us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. How do we bring orphans into our families? We adopt them. How does God bring us into God's family? Well, God does the exact same thing. God adopts us. That through the birth of Jesus, we don't have to be orphans anymore. We don't have to be on our own anymore. We are connected to the family of God. We're cared for. We're protected. We're provided for. And it's all because of God's unconditional love for you and for me. And so if we think about the birth of Jesus, it really is about my adoption. That's that first my that you have there this morning. It's about my adoption. Paul's saying, hey, the starting point for this adoption happens when Jesus is born. That, that's the beginning place for this. This has been God's plan all along. And why does God do this? Because God has this unconditional love for you and for me. As, as he says here in Ephesians, it brings God great pleasure. Because that's what God wants. God wants that connection. God wants that relationship. God wants that community with us, with God. And I think God wants it to take us all the way back to Adam and Eve to experience that same kind of life that was there before. And so the story of my adoption, the story of your adoption, begins with the birth of Jesus. If we go back to Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, here's what we read. It says, And since you are his child... God has made you his heir. In our movie, Buddy actually finds out who he really is. Take a look at this clip from Elf. The next my there is my identity. Because when we talk about heir, we think about identity. We think about having that family name as a part of who we are. That's a good question for us to ask is, is how do we identify ourselves? It's one of those things social media has allowed us to do, right? Uh, social media and the platforms that we use, we get to put our own little bio in there. We get to describe ourselves, uh, father, husband, mortician, right? We get to put these things in there, uh, sister, sibling, um, you know, ball player, whatever it may be. We get to define who we are. And so we define who we are so other people can see that. And many times we try, to, we try to put some stuff in there that everybody's like, oh, man, look at their, their title, look what they do. And, and we want to impress other people. But I don't know that that's our true identity. Because, because here's the deal. How we identify ourselves publicly probably is not how we perceive ourselves privately. 
How we identify ourselves publicly is probably not how we perceive ourselves privately. Our public identity is who we want people to think we are. And that's really what we want to do. We want people to think that we're different than we truly are. When we post things on Facebook or Twitter, we want to paint this amazing picture of our life and what it's like. And the reality may be, the truth may be so different than the images that we put on there. So there's this true identity we have too. And the true identity is how do I feel about myself? How do I see who I am? How do others define me? Maybe, maybe it would be better if we actually put honest, honest descriptions of ourselves. Lonely, not good enough, failure, insecure, divorced, terrible spouse, lost, depressed, suicidal. I mean, these may be our real identities. This may be who we, we truly are. But when it comes to God and being adopted into God's family, we take on a, a whole new identity. We're not defined by how others see us anymore. And we're not defined what others may think about us or what our, our family may have said. We're not even defined about how we perceive ourselves. We are defined by how God sees us. And God says, I love you unconditionally. I love you unconditionally. And I want to adopt you into my family. Again, I don't care about your past and what you've done. I am here to take care of you and to help you and to provide for you and to help you move beyond that. Because your identity has changed because of, of me. Because of the birth of Jesus Christ. And God's like, I want you to take on a new name. I want you to follow Jesus. And I want to take you to take on that name of Christian. That's the name I want you to take. That's the name I want you to hold on to. In the end, that is your true identity. See, when we're adopted by God, we take on this new identity. We take on this, this new name. We are no longer orphans, but we're an heir. We're an heir to what God has for you and for me. In our movie, Buddy's trying to figure this out. And he found out he's human. Now he wants to go and find out who his his dad is. And so we, we have this uh, event that takes place where he meets his dad for the very first time. Take a look at this clip. But he's looking for his dad, right? He, he's trying to find who he is an heir to. He's trying to connect with this identity. And I think for many of us, we're looking for something like that in our life too. We're looking for that identity piece and we're looking to be an heir. And I think for us, it's trying to connect with our, our Heavenly Father. I want to look at uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Go back there for a second. Verse 11. Because there's a piece to this air that, that's sort of this next step. It says, Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. I want to talk about my inheritance. Because that's kind of that next step that, that we find here. Uh, my, uh, my parents made me the executor of their estate. And... Um, uh, when they pass away. And I say estate because my dad was a pastor for a little over 40 years. Uh, my mom was a school teacher for about 26 years. So there's not much of an estate there, right? And, um, and so my dad and mom have different kind of views on, on me being the executor. My mom's like, dude, when we're gone, do whatever you want. I don't even care. I'm out, right? I'm out of this place. I'm gone. I don't care. My dad, he's a little more controlling in some ways towards this. And so um, so I like to, to push his buttons, and I like to do this a lot, but I like to push his buttons with this. Um, he's like, hey, man, when, when, when we're gone, you know, here's sort of this plan for you. I'm like, Dad, when you're out, here's the deal. I'm just getting rid of it all. I'm just going to give all of it away. 
you can kind of see the smoke just kind of billow <laughs> out of his ears because he doesn't like that at all. And so every time I see him and they start having this conversation, because I really don't want to have this conversation, right? But, then, you know, he got to every once in a while. I, I just try to push his butt. Like, I'm just giving away. I'm giving away. A couple years ago, we went to North Carolina. And uh, my dad took me into his little workroom. And he's got two big safes in there and all kinds of stuff in, in there. Uh, if anything ever happened, I'm going there. I'll be safe. But anyway, um, in these safes, there's all kinds of stuff. And he, he opens one. He pulls out this yellow legal pad. And he's like, hey, here's what I did. I took everything in these saves and I itemized them. And uh, everything that we own, I put on here too. And I put, a, I put a price beside every single one. So if I'm gone, this is what you need to sell this stuff for so that you can make. I'm like, Dad, I'm giving it away. I don't care. <laughs> Little does he know I'm selling that stuff because I don't get my money, all right? <laughs> I'm putting up with him for all those years. But... Um, I, I do love my dad and my mom, but um, I hope that I don't ever have to deal with that. Some of you have had to deal with that, and you know how hard that can be. But, um, but I know that's my inheritance, right? That's my inheritance. That's, that's my brother's inheritance. And, and parents, that's kinda, you kind of want to leave something. If you've got kids, you want to leave something for them that they can kind of look forward to, and, and maybe there's a little something there that they can use in their life in some capacity. When we are brought into the family of God, when we accept that adoption into the family of God, there's an inheritance that's there. Now, it's not an estate, it's not money, it's not possessions, it's not a safe filled with all kinds of different items, it's not that at all. See, when we inherit, or what we inherit, is partly the family of God that we're a part of here on earth, but more importantly, it's our time in heaven with God when we're gone. That's our inheritance. That, that's this incredible moment where we get to spend the rest of our life with God. This, this new hope, this new life, this new future leads us into this brand new home. I love how Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 2. Now I'm going to actually read this out of the Message Bible. The Message Bible is a paraphrase of the Bible, okay? So it's not a translation, it's a paraphrase. And, and maybe if you struggle with reading scripture, this is really a great one to, to, to grab. Eugene Peterson wrote this paraphrase. He puts it in sort of a story form. And I love what he says in Ephesians chapter 2, or how he paraphrases this in Ephesians 2, 19. It says, You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. I read those words, and I'm like, yes, this is what it's all about. This is what's so important about knowing who we are and, and knowing that we're heirs and the inheritance what we get. And, and here's what God's up to. God is up to building my home, and God is up to building your home, too. In our movie, Buddy goes to his home for the very first time, and here's what takes place. Buddy finds home. And uh, if you know much of the rest of the story, um, the relationship with his dad is still off a little bit. At the end, everything comes together, and of course, they lived happily ever after. Um, all of us are looking for a home. 
I mean, we are. Whether we acknowledge that or not, we're looking for a home. We're looking for a family to be a part of. And some of us are still struggling with that. And it goes back to how we define ourselves, how we perceive ourselves internally. But God's like, hey, I want to adopt you into my family because I have an incredible home waiting for you. You are no longer orphans. You can be a part of my family. I love when we think about that that imagery that's there, but there's even a, a better way to explain this. I don't know if you're familiar with the story that happened in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm going to show you a, a picture up here on the screen. This is five-year-old Michael Clark Jr. on the left. Um, Michael was being adopted by the Eaton family over here on the right side, and uh, he wanted to make this a special occasion. So he invited his whole classroom to come, his kindergarten class, to be a part of this celebration with him. That's not normal, okay? That doesn't normally happen, but he's like, you guys are my family. So he invites them all to come. Um, one of the parents from the kindergarten class actually paid for a bus shuttle to grab these kids and to take them to the courthouse that day. Another family was supposed to go on vacation. They actually postponed their vacation so they could be there with Michael and his newly adopted family. But, uh, but there, were, there were kids there. There were parents there. There were teachers, of course, and staff administration. And the presiding judge over this in the 17th Circuit Court of Family Division, Patricia Gardner, she asked every single kid that was there, it's like, what can you tell me about Michael? And so each one of those kids spent a moment talking about Michael. One said, Michael's my best friend. Another little girl stood up, and she's like, I love Michael. And every single kid that day stood up in that place, and they said, this is what I think about Michael. Michael saw them as his family. His dad here, David Eaton, said these words. He said, I think he understands that this means he has a permanent home now. He's not going to be taken away. I read those words. I think about what happened in that courtroom with little Michael, and I think to myself, this is what it means to be adopted into the family of God. This is what it means. There are these people around us who love us and care for us. The God has said, hey, you've been adopted into this family. This isn't about me. This is about us. This is about us together. And so we've been invited to be adopted into this incredible, incredible family. To be cared for, to be provided for, to be protected, to be loved unconditionally. That means there's a couple of steps that we have to take. I think the first next step is for some of us to remember your adopted family. It's easy for us to be a follower of Christ and kind of pull away or, or to get so caught up in the things that are happening in our life that we forget that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. And it's not just about me. It's, it's about we. It's about us. And, and so there may be people that we need to kind of treat like Michael, like, hey, man, you are loved. You are cared for. I know you're struggling. I am here for you. And for some of us, it's to be reminded that we're part of an adopted family. And then for others of us, it's time to sign the adoption papers. It's time to do that. God's already said, hey, I've done my part. I, I sent Jesus, right? And Jesus came to this earth, and that, that was like, hey, this adoption process is beginning. But I signed off on this adoption the day that Jesus died on that cross and when he came back to life in that resurrection. Hey, I, I signed the adoption papers. We're ready to go. And now it's your turn to take that step yourself. Now you need to finalize this by by signing your name to 
How, how do we do that at the journey? We do that through baptism. That, that moment that we say, hey, I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm finally all in. And we take that step and we're baptized. This year we've had 26 people who have signed those adoption papers and said, man, I'm excited about this. Yeah, we can clap for that. On Christmas Eve, we have a couple of people like, hey, we're going to sign those adoption papers that evening. And here's the deal. I know there are many of us in this room that haven't signed those papers yet. And we're inviting you to do that. You can take that connection card in the seat in front of you. You can put your information on it. It says, I'm interested in baptism. We'll contact you and have a conversation. Man, we'd love to see you end this year by saying, I'm in this adopted family. We'd love for you to sign off on that and be baptized and let God bring you in so you can experience that, that identity, that inheritance, and, and that home that's waiting for us after this life is gone. The story of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, it's a story of adoption. Not, not just the adoption of Joseph, uh, of Jesus, but the adoption that God has for us and to God's family. And every single week here at The Journey, we take communion together as a, a church community, as a family. And it is that reminder to us, this is what we get to be a part of. This is a part of who we are. That if we follow Christ, we're a part of this adopted family. There's an identity there. There's an inheritance. And, and there's a home. And maybe for some of us today, that's what we need to start thinking about. I want to be a part of that. And for others of us, and like myself, it's to be reminded that, that this isn't just about me. This is about us. And that we're adopted into this incredible family. And we get to celebrate that signing of God's adoption papers through this bread, through this juice. That's a reminder of God's love for us through Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite you to stand right now. We're going to sing together with our, our team back here. As you feel led, you can come to the front. You can go to the back. Take the bread and the juice. Take it back to your seats. Just remain standing. If you're brand new, just follow the people around you. They will lead you where you need to go. If you came prepared to give, if you filled out a connection card, you can put that in the offering baskets this morning. The reminder today, though, is that we are part of the adoptive family of God. Let's commune together today.